Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. Uh, Mary and Adam and I have an interesting and special little platform scheduled for you today. We're going to go over some mobile and uh, SM6 releases. We'll touch on a couple interesting smug posts made by some of our users. But before we do all that, Adam, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to do another kind of a feature focus. So we're going to have Mary on and show you guys some uh, some cool uh, tips and tricks and things like that. And this time we're going to talk about drip campaigns. And drip campaigns. When we say drip campaigns, by the way, if you guys don't know, uh, we're talking about automation, right? Sort of that drip where you set up certain time intervals where this message is going to go out to, you know, filtered clients, right? And um, it's a feature set that we have. We've had in Service Monster 6 since the inception, um, and it's tied to the uh, enterprise level. So if you guys are on core or something like that and you don't know what we're talking about, that's why. Um, but there's tons of value to be gleaned from this. You know, like you can you can save so much time if you if you get through the setup and get these things ready to go for various, you know, whatever you need then you're going to save that much time down the road, right? This, just make sure that your your content is is refreshed and up to date and you're, you know things like that. And otherwise, it's just running in the background all the time. So usually when we've talked about drip campaigns in the past, we've kind of focused on client retention, which is really where the drip campaign process was set up initially um, as far as our goal for, you know, to help you guys get that value out. And, you know, think of like what we talk about with, the, with the fill my schedule, email drips, you know, just contacting your clients at set intervals to just keep your brand out in front of them and remind them when it's time to maybe get some work done. Well, we're going to actually um, showcase some things you can do on the lead front to help kind of contact those new leads and make sure that you're getting the communication out so you can, you know, close and convert more of those estimates into actual sales. So I'm going to kind of acquiesce to Mary here and she's going to kind of talk and go through what we're talking about and uh, showcase some of the stuff the service monster can offer. Yeah. So... I think our drip campaigns are probably my favorite thing to cover in general because it's so easy to see the value in them once you start getting them running. So to access your drip campaigns, you can go into marketing and then drip campaigns. Here you'll be able to see your list of any that you have set up. You'll see I have a couple different ones in here, like our client retention one. We were talking you know, just a bit of, uh, about um, estimate follow-up, lead follow-up, a VIP campaign. Uh, but there's so much you can do with this. They're basically ultra customizable, and it also ties into our account taggings and our custom fields. So you have a ton of different options for when it comes to reaching out to a specific audience. So for the time being, what I'm gonna do now is walk you through our lead follow-up campaign, which is kind of what Adam was talking about. Um, and this campaign is built so it automatically reaches out to your leads once you have them in the system, basically until they have an order set up. So how this is laid out is we have uh, kind of our, our sea monster here. Uh, so this dark blue box, this is your audience. So uh, this is who's going to possibly be receiving this campaign. And then attached to our audience are all of the different steps to this campaign. So for this specific one, we have our immediate email. So this is an email that we'll send out basically the same day or next day as you get that lead in the system. So you create the lead. We have our two-day email, which is an email that sends out two days later. So that's, you know, two days after you've reached out to them, trying to, you know, get that estimate process rolling. Another one at two weeks, 
four weeks, eight weeks, and then our last one at 12 weeks. And again, like I was saying, this is hyper customizable. You're never limited to what we show or what we have set up. You can always go in and add extra options, take away certain options if you don't think it's going to quite work well. Uh, so the first thing I, I'll have us look at then is the audience. So how do you select who is going to be a part of this campaign or going to be included in it? We can view or edit our audience by clicking on this blue box and then clicking on the gear icon. So that will open it up. All of our filters will appear on the left side and then any audiences that can be included at this time or accounts that will be included in will appear on the right side here. And I'm going to go ahead and walk through our filters, but I do want to note we do have a full filter guide on our help site that goes over what every single filter we have available for these campaigns in the system means. So if you're ever confused when it comes to setting up one of these campaigns, we do have this how do I add in additional filters page, which is really helpful for that. And it has the full list of filters in it. So going back to my campaign here, uh, the first one that we have is account active set to true. So we're just looking at our active accounts. We have account email set to being not blank. So we are only looking at our accounts that do have an email address attached to them. Account do not contact email is set to being false. So we're not reaching any out to any accounts that are marked as do not contact for email. If we were to set this to true, we would reach out to those accounts, which of course we don't want to. So for our do not contact filters, we always want those set to false. Then we have account lead pending, and this is greater than zero. This is kind of one of the uh, funkier filters. Uh, it's one that's good to reference our um, help page for. But what this one means is we are only looking at our leads that do not have an estimate created for them yet in the system. So there are newer accepted leads in the system, and it is set to greater than zero. Then we have order last invoice date, and this is set to being blank. Order last estimate created date is set to being blank and order next job slash job reminder date is set to being blank. What those means is we aren't including any accounts that have had an estimate made on them, a invoice made on them or have a uh, appointment scheduled for them. So that is the audience we have built for this campaign. And then we have all of our different steps of this campaign. So these green boxes, you can think of these as where we set up the rules for when this email is going to send, or if it was a call, when that call activity would be made, when the mail would be set up, uh, et cetera. So opening these up, we can click on it and click on the gear icon. Here we can see the conditions for when this one can send. And this is pretty simple. This looks at the acquisition date for this account. So when this account was added into the system for this first step, this is an email that will either send out the same day, next day, um, as when the account has been made. So for this, we have the account acquisition date is between one and 30 days. Uh, the one in 30 days, that's just so when you start up this campaign for the first time, any leads that you've added into the system within that first month period, they're gonna be included on that campaign. And we also have contact by this campaign is not within 30 days. And that's just to make sure, hey, nobody's gonna possibly be receiving this email more than once, basically. 
in the reoccurrence tab here, this is where you can set how often this campaign is going to run. So here you can select a start date and you'll be able to select what time you want it to send out. So you can pick, uh, you know, whatever time you think is the best time for your clients to be checking their email. So typically I choose like 8 a.m. as a good example. That tends to be a right around when I'm first checking my email in the day. But I know there's also a lot of different psychology around um, picking a good time for that. And here you can also choose if this will run every day or every weekday. That's kind of what I recommend for these styles of campaigns, one that's running every uh, day or weekday. But in the future with making drip campaigns, you can set them up to run weekly, monthly or yearly as well. And lastly, attached to that, we have our email. So this is the email that is going to send when an account has kind of reached the conditions in that green campaign. So this is where you can add in or edit the details for what email address it looks like it's coming from or the reply to email address. And this will just autofill with your company's email from your company settings in uh, the settings. Uh, here you can also add in your subject line. So about, sure. And you can select the marketing template that's going to be used. So uh, if you haven't already played around with our templates, we do have a selection of marketing templates that should already be included in your system. And we do as well have different help articles that are created to help you um, guide you through creating those. For this one, I used a proposal template I had set up. And just to quickly hop into our templates and give you a glimpse of that. So we have our template. In our preview here, we can get an idea for what that'll look like before we send it. And when I am uh, ready to run this campaign, all I have to do is click on the disabled button. So it says enabled and click save and that will start running. So this one uh, was set up to run immediately after that uh, lead was created in the system. And then from then on out, the main difference between these different campaign bubbles is going to be that acquisition date. So this next one, which is the two day email, this just looks at, okay, it's been two days since this account was added into the system. We're going to be sending that next email off and so on. And sort of the main thing that uh, this particular drip campaign is focusing on is that you haven't actually gotten to that that on-site estimate yet, right? Like you, you, you've got someone in the system. Maybe they came in through the web form. Maybe you had something you know, set up. Maybe you, you have your own form, something through Zapier or whatever. The leads coming into the system, and you just want to make sure that you've had contact. You're going to actually close and make that sale, right? Now, some of you guys might have an estimate process. Some of you guys might jump to the work order. That's why the filters that she's using are looking at all of those, right? Is there a job schedule or an appointment scheduled? Is there an invoice? Is there an estimate? All of those things will will kick this out, right? Um, and there's other things you can set up if you're, you know, super worried about, you know, hey, we do have an estimate process, and how do I make sure that if they, you know, reject that estimate that it's it's taken out. That's something Mary will show here in a little bit. Um, but the main the main thing to take from this is that you can use this in a lot of different ways. You can use it on, on the sales front. You can use it on the retention front. Um, you can use it just for newsletters for certain um, users. You can target particular services. So maybe you guys have a service that maybe you know it's not 
sun is often a turnaround. Um, a big one that we see a lot is in the pressure washing or whatever. The roof typically gets cleaned less often than some of the you know the flat work or the or the house siding or whatever. Um, and so if the roof is getting cleaned every two or three years or you know whenever compared to you know siding gutters whatever, you can set up very specific campaigns to the last time a a actual service was. Um, and that's sort of handled by the service group. I don't know. Do we want to? Do you want to pause and show them how, to, how that works, Mary? Do you want to just um, go to settings really quick and just pull up a sure. service and show that group? Didn't mean to de detract from what we're talking about, but it's it's a very common thing that would come up is they want to focus on you know very specific services. So um, the main thing is you know we have a lot of help documents and we're going to be expanding on that to help you guys through these because we know that sometimes creating the oh, yeah, right here she's got this group right so if there's a carpet cleaning item then she's grouping it as a carpet cleaning service and so you can set up these groups for whatever and then whenever an invoice happens with an with a service that happens to have that grouping under it you can then target that in a follow-up campaign so a lot of very cool and interesting things you can do i know we mention that every time you guys or we talk about drip campaigns um, but we really want to try to help, you know, show you guys different avenues you can pursue. Because sometimes the hard part isn't just the setup, which is really what we're trying to, you know, focus on here, showing you guys how it's built and why. Sometimes the hard part is just figuring out, okay, who do I want to target? Why do I want to target them? Why is this beneficial to me? Um, and so we really want to kind of expand on that and help you guys find some new and interesting ways um, that uh, that can be handled. Mary, do you want to kind of show what it looks like just starting from scratch rather than uh, having the pre-made one? Sure, yeah. So hopping back to our marketing page here, we can go into Drip Campaigns and we can start a new one by clicking on Plus Drip Campaign here. So for our example, we're going to go ahead and create a one-year follow-up. So this is going to be an email that sends a year after we last did service with this client to remind them like, hey, you know, these are the other products and services we offer. It's been a year. Can we come help you out again? All of that. So I'm just going to name this one-year follow-up. And then we can go in to selecting our audience. So again, we can click on our blue bubble here and the gear icon. And here we can start adding in our filters. Now it's automatically already going to include the account active set to being true. The next filter we will add in is to make sure that they have an email address in the system. So I will pull account email and have that set to not blank. So they just do have an email address entered in. And of course, we don't want to reach out to anyone who is marked as do not contact. So we'll also add an account do not contact email set to being false. So we're not reaching out to any of those accounts. Uh, now this I'm just setting up as an email, but if you wanted to say set it up as a phone call, you could also add in account phone is set to not blank or account do not contact phone set to false to make sure, hey, we're just reaching out to people that have phone numbers. So kind of similar system as it would be for the email. So we've selected our audience for now. Then I can go and pull in the campaign just by dragging and dropping it in. And I'm just going to name this email. If you were going to do multiple steps for this, you could make it contact one, contact two, email one, you know, one year email, 1.5 year email, anything like that. And then we can add in our conditions. So we can do that by clicking and and selecting the filter that is going to be applied. So the first one we can use for this is going to be order last invoice date. 
and this is going to be equal to one year. So this is going to be looking at any accounts that have had an invoice finished one year ago. One thing to quickly note on that, if you guys prefer to send these maybe on a weekly basis or something like that, not that there's any reason to, um, but if you do, make sure that you're giving yourself kind of that range, right? Because if, if you're looking at a whole week or a month or whatever, you're only sending these once um, rather than the equals. Um, so just a quick little heads up. Yeah. yeah, this works best if you're setting it up to run daily or during weekdays. Uh, the next one we will add in is based off of if they have a next appointment in the system, which is order next job slash job reminder date. And we're just going to set this to blank because we don't want to be, you know, reaching out to remind someone about working with you if they've already scheduled to work with you. So this just makes sure, hey, they don't have any appointments scheduled out. And then we can also add in contact by this campaign. And we just always add in that not within 30 days, kind of as a just in case, hey, no one's gonna actually accidentally be uh, pinged with this multiple times. So those are kind of our basic filters we can add in. In reoccurrence, we'll choose our start date and again, that time it will run at. And then you'll choose if you want this to run every day, every weekday or weekly, monthly or yearly, however you'd like for your campaign. And when I click OK, that is set up and then I can drag and drop in my final piece here, which is what's happening. So the, if it's email, that'll send the email out. If it's call, that will create a call activity in the system. Uh, if it's export, that'll set up an export file for you to download. So I'll drag in my email. And then again, I can go in, add in my subject line and select the template that's gonna be used for that. So well, while you're typing there, Mary, interesting thing on the subject line is depending on what you put in there um, can help or hurt you as far as filtering for spam and things like that. Um, if you're not familiar, you can, you know, Google or something like that, kind of some help. Uh, I know SynGrid, which is a big um, kind of uh, email distributor, uh, they have actual blog posts and things like that that can help you. But there are a lot of other major companies that offer kind of help on this. Any any company that is involved with sending mass emails, I know MailChimp has a blog that talks about this. I already mentioned SynGrid. Um, if you guys are curious about things, some tips and tricks, things to, to look out for and avoid, um, Definitely recommend that because, like I said, depending on what you say in that subject line, can automatically filter it as spam. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, from here, you can also send a test email to yourself. I always highly recommend that just to make sure, hey, everything looks exactly how you want it to before you start sending it out to clients. All you have to do for this is type in the email address you want it to go to. And then down here, you'll be able to click on that send test email button. And when you do that, it'll send that your way uh, just so you can make sure, hey, everything's looking good before you commit to it going out to clients. And then I can save up here and my campaign is all set up. And again, to start running it, all I have to do is click on that disabled button. So it says enabled and then click save again. And this will start running tomorrow at 8 a.m. Very nice. The other thing too um, you can do with this, maybe you haven't actually gotten work done. Um, I don't know how many of you guys go through with this process, but a really kind of nice way to endear yourself potentially to customers or snake your way into the repeat business is let's say you had an estimate, you went out, you know, you 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 
you know, had what that quote was going to be, you know, and they turned you down. And maybe they went for someone who was cheaper. Maybe they went with someone, you know, for whatever reason. And you're like, okay, well, what if you then you know, come in here and you set a, a, you know, a campaign up to follow up a year from then just to be like, hey, I just wanted to make sure that you got everything taken care of. It doesn't even have to be a year. You could follow up three months, six months, whatever. Um, to be like, hey, I just wanted to make sure that you got taken care of whoever you went with, you know, like, that's totally fine. Um, but if you know if, if anything went wrong or something like that, or if you didn't know about our other products and services, again, how many I don't know how many times Joe and I have talked about. A lot of the time, they're not going to know all the products and services that you offer. You know, they were probably searching for a very specific issue when they called in, and you know, a lot of times you can become sort of the expert of their home, especially if you're you know well diversified in, in your business. So, um, just kind of different th- scenarios you can play out. Um, Mary, while I'm talking here, why don't you go to the account profile really quickly? She's just going to go into an account here and go to what's the, what we call the profile tab um, because I want to show some custom fields. And there's a really nice one that can be helpful for you guys if you do a lot of a lot of estimating and you want to make sure that you know things get removed um, when when they need to be removed. So the the big thing is you know she has some examples in here. She has a warranty um, expired date. Um, you can have like, uh, you know, the date that estimate was created if you, if you want to rely on that manually, um, or if you want to see like when an estimate was rejected, um, you can set up a date field. You can set up these custom fields and you can target whatever you want. You can, you have 10 of these. You can also use account tags, uh, if you prefer, but you can set up things like that. And so you can say, Hey, they rejected this estimate on this date. And you can set up very specific campaigns tied around that. Right. And you can also use it as a trigger to remove them from drip campaigns. So there are definitely things we want to expand upon on the sales front to make things easier for you guys. But these things already exist in the system. Um, if you, if you want to get those up and running. So another thing too, just, just to touch on really quickly, Mary, if someone sets, sets up a call campaign, what happens when that triggers? Yeah, so that creates a call activity in the system. Uh, when it comes to tracking or seeing your activities, what I find to be super helpful is when we are right here on the home screen, you'll see we have our nice little in progress box. And in here we have pending activities with a number next to it. So if you just keep an eye on this, you'll be able to see, oh, if that number goes up, I have some new activities added in. You can click on this and that will actually take you to our activity list here. This is in the panel view. Uh, Some of you might be a little bit more familiar with it in the grid view, like we have here with our kind of classic grid style. But our panel view, I think, is a little, you know, more visually nice to keep track of. Um, On the left hand side here, you have all of your activities represented as a card. So basically, when that campaign runs, when it creates a call for someone, that's going to show up as one of these little cards along at the side here. Clicking on them will open up its information in the middle here. So here I can see my client's phone number. I can send them an email, record a payment, create a new order, and I can take any notes needed about this call. Then when we're all done, I can click complete. I can add in any final notes here and click OK. That note will be, or uh, that call will be taken off my pending list here and moved to the completed side of things. Um, and yeah, it's just a great way basically of keeping track of your progress when it comes to reaching back out with clients. We also have a personal dashboard on the side here, which is kind of nice for keeping track of how many calls you've completed or how many total activities you've completed. Uh, And then also just for clarification, so you can access activities from the home screen here, or if you go into the account page, we also have the activities list that you can access by clicking on that activities button right there. 
Yeah, from the panel view, if you have a soft phone, like a VoIP soft phone or whatever installed on your, your computer, or you have, you know, some sort of program like Skype or whatnot, you can actually just call directly from here. You don't have to copy and paste anything. You're just going to go right in a row, make those notes and get those calls out of the way and just kind of work through your list. This is kind of one of those things too. If you guys aren't using activities or something similar, whether it's in service sponsor or an external program to keep track of tasks like this, then you're probably doing yourself a disservice because you want to make sure you're not having those things slip through the cracks. So. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much, Mary, for kind of showing through there. Um, like I mentioned, we have help articles. We'll, we'll link a few of them that will probably, you guys will find helpful, um, when we, when we post this, uh, this video and we'll also, um, post a link to a webinar that uh, Mary has running. Um, I don't know how often during the week is that running? It runs every weekday, I believe currently at 8 a.m. Okay. So um, you can sign up for one of those webinars. She'll talk about similar things to here, but she'll also go more in depth on the template side and some other things there too. So if you guys want, you know, additional um, kind of learning there, you want to have, you know, have one of maybe your office manager or someone step, step into that, by all means, feel free. Um, and also I wanted to mention too, if, if someone out there is watching this and they're like, yeah, but I had this idea that you guys haven't really talked about, and I'm still not really sure how to set that up you know, reach out to support. And, um, you know, the very, the very least they're going to walk you through some, some things that they have, but they can also reach that back to Mary and I, and we can sort of, you know, target setting up some help posts, some, some blog style posts related to just answering those type of questions. So don't ever feel like you're alone. You know, if you're feeling like, if you're like, Hey, I have this idea, I'm just on, on the cusp of it, but I just don't know how to, uh, how to approach it, you know, reach out to support. That's what we're here for. So. Very cool. Thank you, Mary. That was awesome. Yeah, the drip campaigns are one of our. Um, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for Joe, but they're definitely one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, parts of the system. It's definitely something that we you know continue to want to expand on and things of that nature because we you know we're always looking for that value for you guys. And again, like I mentioned at the start, automating these tasks is going to make everyone in your office's life better. So. Huh. Should we move on, Joe? Some service sponsor news? Yeah, let's talk about some uh, SM6 and mobile updates. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, on the desktop side, we had a small release last week. Um, a couple of things that'll be interesting for you guys. While we plan on you know making some further changes to the search query in the future, we did add a quick kind of... Um, um, just change that'll help you guys. If you're looking for an exact match, and I mean, you know, last name, comma, first name, exact match, um, you can use, you know, the double quotes. So like a quotation on each side, kind of like uh, Google and other things like that. And it'll force that grid search to only be looking for that exact um, match. Um, and so something we wanted to add on the fly, we're going to be getting that message out, um, help articles and things like that. So you guys are aware of that. So you guys that are listening, hey, you got a sneak peek, right? Um, and of course, anyone who's looking at those release notes that I keep yammering about, right? Mm. So um, but that'll help you guys, especially if you have kind of some odd names that involve, you know, hyphens, word spacing and things like that. Um, Which so. reminds me, is Asher doing the updating the what's new? Um, so the what's new, we only update on the major releases. Any of gotcha. these sub-releases, they all go to the same page. So Gotcha. Okay, very good. But yeah, next major release, we'll have Asher walk through that. That'd be great. Yeah. We'll introduce you guys to the new marketing coordinator. Yeah. And that'll be, you know, we're, we're excited for him. He's got some big shoes to fill though. So yeah, he does. But uh, we're hopeful. Yep. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we also we made some adjustments to the Syngym uh, configuration page uh, to better align kind of with the new mobile app. So previous mobile apps only allowed, you know, they only allowed you to send a very specific item. Um, and the new mobile app, you know, is more targeted. It's just it's targeted as much to the admin users as it is to the technicians, right? So we needed to have kind of both options. So if you're, you know, a, a super tech manager or admin, you have full control over what you can send via SendGem and so forth. But if you're a technician or so forth, then, you know, you're only going to use those defaults. And we just change up some verbiage, clean up the page a little bit. So, and there's numerous other little bug fixes and UI tweaks that we changed. Um, I don't want to spend any time here on the podcast talking about, but again, go go look at those release notes so you can in the user drop down you can uh look at the what's new you can literally click the what's new section on, on the dashboard or you can just go to our help site and look for the release notes so on the mobile side um uh, the release was delayed just a little bit uh, due to an, an ios issue uh there was something they kicked back during the review process and it just took a little bit longer than anticipated to get that resolved so um there are also a couple of, of things on, on our end on the mobile dev side that just had to get resolved there so engineering fun engineering when, fun is when exactly. we run into headaches that aren't related to actual code infrastructure and machinery and hardware and mailing crap all over the place so Luckily, uh, Ethan's at 100% again now, but we did lose some days there to some basic infrastructure stuff. So we had to get that all settled. Yeah. And so we're, we're nearing the QA process of that um, again. <clears throat> so be on the lookout uh, in the near future, probably early next week, um, be kind of the first time you guys are going to want to look at that for that new um, release. And again, like I mentioned last uh, last podcast a couple of weeks ago, we've got Sinjim in there. Uh, we've got, you know, we've got the account list in there. Uh, we expanded Google Calendar functionality, and then there's just numerous other bug fixes and tweaks. And again, uh, those release notes will be available when it's fully released. So outside of that, we've got some interesting smug posts over the last couple of weeks. Um, I'll start with one by Alan. I'm not going to go into full details of everything that he talked about because he, he's going, he's using a very specific kind of scenario that he's setting up that's really only going to be for him and probably a few other users. But the main thing that I wanted to focus on is there is a field on the order screen. And while I'm talking, Mary, if you want to maybe just kind of go grab that and then we'll let Justin work some magic and show you what I'm done. Um, but on the order screen, there is a reference field over on the details side. And this gets used for a lot of different things. A lot of, a lot of uh, users use it for like a, like a PO number or something like that. But it's a very unique field on the order because it's searchable. That exact field is actually searchable in, in the global search. And so if you have something that needs to be kind of, you know, um, remember that you can look up later on, maybe, you know, you have some sort of contract number, or you've got, you know, a warranty number or something like that. You can utilize this field if it's not already being utilized for another purpose. And that's something you can now be searchable. And that, that Mary's pointing at it right now. It's on the order details there. It's just called the reference field. So yeah, the most common use for that field is purchase order numbers from commercial or business to business clients. So oftentimes when you get a commercial client, they'll want to put the invoice against a PO for their internal accounting. Um, and then they will reference that PO more often than they'll reference your order number. And so if you put the PO number in that reference field, when they give you a PO, you can use the global search to bring that order up by that number. So it's a very handy field. Absolutely. 
Uh, the next uh, post came in from Matt. Uh, he was just asking how to change the order accepted email. And we're talking about um, we have a feature that we and we have in our marketplace where you can get order approval. I know it's typically used on the estimate front, but you know you can send uh, changes to work orders and so forth in there as well. Um, but there is a configuration page on that. So you just go to the marketplace, you look for that order approval uh, that you've already turned on, and there's a configuration page. And from there, you can toggle a few settings. One of them is the email that they get sent to. And so you can also toggle how long it's going to be accepted. And we're gonna add some things to here in the future as well to kind of let you guys further expand on that uh, kind of um, configuration. So next post came in from Kimberly um, or Kim. I, uh, I feel like she goes by both. Uh, hope I'm not doing her disservice there. Um, but she was asking if there's a way to disable creating new services for a technician security role. Um, and while in the future, there might be some cool things coming down the pipeline on that, we don't want to commit to anything right this second. Um, the only way you can currently kind of disable creating new services right now is to give them a lower security role, which in this case is the laborer role. However, it is more restrictive. There are a lot of things that they are unable to do. They can't even see pricing or things like that. So um, unfortunately, it doesn't totally solve her issue necessarily, um, but I just wanted to get that out there in case you guys weren't aware. There is a level below technician you can set up that is very restrictive um, in case that's needed on your end. So Yeah, these people won't be doing any upsells and they're typically not going to be, you know, handling money, collecting a check, collecting a payment. Um, they're going to go to the service site. They're going to perform their list of duties and they're going to leave. Um, so maid service is a good example. Um Carpet cleaning assistance, maybe if you got somebody going out doing pre and post work, maybe that kind of stuff. But if you if you have a technician, if they handle cash, if they take a payment, if they do upsells, if there's a potential for them to add a new line item on an order, you want them to have that kind of flexibility so they can increase the price of your orders, if at all possible. Yep. And if it's something that you're worried about, you can always, you know, you, you can have random audits. In fact, you should have random audits just from just like an operating standpoint, um, just to ensure, you know, things that if you're concerned that nothing weird is going on or is something like that. So oh, the last smug post I got came in from Corey. And I actually, I thought about shying away from this just to make my life a little bit easier, but you know, this is not how we roll over here. We, we kind of lean into stuff like this. We always appreciate when you guys um, ask these kind of questions and so forth. Corey had purchased an email template and uh, had a marketing coordinator of some kind kind of pasted HTML code into Service Monster. And then she was editing that copy template inside Service Monster and it was causing some problems, um, just how the, the code is edited in. And then she was kind of realigning things on a global scale and it was just causing just some weirdness for her um, that was you know causing obvious frustration. And so first thing I wanted to point out is if you're, if you're bringing in a template from an outside source, you're typically gonna wanna edit it from whatever source it came from um, before you copy it in. So if there's any sort of weirdness, um, just sort of restart on the external editor, right, if that makes sense. So yeah, if you're bringing in code, don't try to then edit it within our editor. And it's not our editor too, right? We, we went through a number of what we call WYSIWYGs. What you see is what you get. Um, that's the acronym. And, and they're typically <laughs> HTML, it writes HTML. It gets really weird and convoluted when you do this kind of stuff. And there isn't a whole lot of options out there. You know, there's a couple dozen good WYSIWYG editors, and we've been through a handful of them. 
um, and they're all good or bad for various different reasons. It's not difficult for us to swap them out. So if you understand tech and you know of a WYSIWYG that you think is like the bee's knees um, or you know of a tool that, you know, you think is flawless on its uh, uh, HTML editor within the browser, let us know. We're, we're more than happy to take a look at it. Uh, the one that we have is OK for basic editing. It's not great for code editing. So you want to do that somewhere else. And like Adam is saying, if you are editing somewhere else, it's very specific on how it's going to write that HTML and different WYSIWYGs will interpret that differently, especially when you then start editing it within the WYSIWYG. So take your editor, do a complete design, paste it in the WYSIWYG. If it looks the way you want, awesome. If it doesn't, go back to the original editor. Don't try to edit that pasted HTML file uh, in the editor itself. It's just going to cause headaches to make you frustrated. Yeah. And kind of leading into what, what Joe said there, I mean, I already have looked into this with Aaron. He's uh, one of our front-end developers. Uh, he's the one who's kind of in charge of the WYSIWYG setup. We're going to take another look at this once we get a couple of major projects out of the way. We're just going to see what's out there. Um, there's been improvements on the one that we have included as well. So we're just going to kind of take a look. And like Joe said, if there's one you guys absolutely love, by all means, feel free to, to, to ping us on that. A lot of these companies keep these kind of close to the chest, right? And MailChimp, Constant Contact, or something that you guys are probably familiar with, they built from scratch their own. And they're they're definitely well-made, but there's a, a reason for that. That's their entire purpose, right? Their entire purpose is to create marketing templates to send them out to various pipelines. So, I mean, that's what their entire development team is focused on. Um, and so we could, you know, hypothetically, right, Joe, we, we could build our own if we wanted to, but I mean, yeah. there's so many things that we want to get out to you guys for other purposes, right? So- the main point of the story is, yes, we're going to look at, you know, making some improvements there where we can. Um, but I also just wanted to let you guys know that there are some things. We actually have a help article dedicated to MailChimp specifically. Um, so you can use a, like a free MailChimp account. You can create templates in there, get them the way you want, and then you can export that out. There's a couple of little steps you want to do. Um, MailChimp has a tool that they just let you run it through um, as far as it's called the CSS inliner tool um, that will help kind of clean that up. And they also will have merge fields or merge tags, I think is what they call them in MailChimp. That's kind of the same thing we got, we have. We have merge fields, right? So it says, dear company name, right? And it's going to fill that in in the mail merge process. It's going to say, hey, dear Bob's company. Um, well, you want to pull those out if you're not sending it from MailChimp, right? And so this help article walks you guys all the way through that. Um, I'll link it here just so we can have you know an army of links to greet you guys when you watch this video. Um, but if you are using MailChimp for that purpose, we do have help on that. Um, and if you have questions on that, just you know, ping support, like I said before. So, otherwise, Joe, that's what I got for you. Awesome. Well, that's good. Fifty minutes of content. <laughs> Mary, do you have anything else you'd like to point out before we say I do? No. Yeah. Just check out Drip Campaigns. They're awesome way to automate your marketing. For sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your attention. And until next time, be safe.